And I want to share with you uh, what is going to be the first of a few messages, <clears throat> probably four, uh, about life on purpose. How did God want you to live a life on purpose? Having a purposeful outlook mindset on how you're living your life. And I think a lot of Christians never find this. They never get to this. They sort of live the way the world does. And, and, and I want to start this week by talking about the difference between pursuing happiness and pursuing purpose. Because most people are pursuing happiness. And that is a huge mistake. And I want to start today by reading you a story. Uh, there was once a king named Anthony. Anthony was a good king. He ruled over a vast and great kingdom. His kingdom shared a border with another kingdom ruled by a king named Ivan. Ivan was an evil king who desired to expand his kingdom by force. For years, the two kings fought in bloody skirmishes along the border, and King Anthony would always prevail, for his kingdom was much larger, larger and had a greater army. So King Ivan, realizing he could never win a head-to-head -head battle, devised a plan to even the odds. <coughs> Excuse me. It would take a long time to accomplish, but if it worked, if King Anthony fell for it, he could attack and overtake his rival kingdom. King Ivan sent word to Anthony declaring his desire for a truce. <coughs> He invited him to a mutual location and told him that he had decided to stop all advances against his kingdom. He told the good king that he wanted to live in peace and to share his uh, friendship between the two kingdoms. The two kings shook hands and parted ways. A week later, King Anthony sent an invitation to Ivan, inviting him to a feast, a celebration of peace and their new friendship. King Ivan came bearing gifts and smiles. He adorned King Anthony with compliments about the castle, the servants, and the food. This food is the best I've ever tasted, said the evil king. King Anthony enjoyed the praise. He began to see himself and the pleasures he had surrounding him as a sign of his worth. King Ivan, recognizing his chance, said, You're only missing one thing. The world's most unique and wonderful tasting tea. It's called Engano tea. It is so rare that only a handful of the greatest kings have ever even tasted it. If you could serve Engano tea at your banquets, everyone who attended would know that you are the greatest of all kings. King Anthony was intrigued, and for weeks he could not stop thinking about Engano tea. He thought about how wonderful it must taste. He thought about the prestige that it would bring him if he could serve it to his guests. So King Anthony commissioned explorers, sailors, and treasure hunters to bring him back this tea. One by one, they would leave excited, but return defeated and without the tea. This only made King Anthony desire it even more. So after many failed expeditions, the king decided to send his army across the world to find the tea and bring it to him at any cost. After years of failed military missions, bloody battles, and lost lives, the king still had not tasted the world's greatest tea. By now he had become obsessed with it. He would do anything to get his hands on that special tea. One day a traveler came before the king and he said, Your Majesty, 
I have traveled all across the world, and in my travels, I was fortunate enough to come across a small amount of Engano tea, and I want you to have it. The king was overwhelmed with excitement. He, he immediately called for his servants to prepare him some of this world-famous tea. So the water was heated, the tea was carefully steeped and brought to the king, and he took one sip and gasped. It tasted awful. The king hated the tea, and he hated himself. How could he have spent years of his life, vast sums of money, and the lives of explorers and soldiers pursuing something so awful? Suddenly, a messenger came rushing into the court. King Ivan's army was advancing on the kingdom. They were vast in number, organized and armed with the best weapons. King Anthony realized that he had been deceived. There was no truce, there was no friendship, and there was no such thing as in Ganyoti. He looked around and the traveler was gone. His heart raced with fear. His stomach was now convulsing in pain. He began to sweat profusely and he fell to the ground. The traveler was a spy sent to poison him. And as King Anthony lay dying on the floor, he realized that his selfish and vain pursuit of Ganyoti had drained his kingdom of all of its wealth, ravaged his army, and exposed him to a cup of poison. He had spent his life pursuing an illusion, and when he finally had found it, it had killed him and destroyed the kingdom he was born to protect. What a story. There are a lot of people today who are pursuing happiness. And happiness is like that in Ganyo tea. It is an illusion that has been placed before you so that you will spend your life, consume your time and energy at all costs, trying to find it. You see, King Ivan understood that if he really wanted to defeat King Anthony, he had to trick him. He had to get him distracted and focused on other things so that he wouldn't accomplish the things that he was supposed to accomplish. He wouldn't be the person that he was meant to be. So he gave him this notion that, that sucked him into sort of a vain exploration of things. He began to explore things because he thought he deserved to have Nganyo tea. Just like many of us are spending our lives thinking, I deserve to be happy. I deserve to be happy. How many times have you heard someone say that? And, uh, or maybe you've even said it yourself, I deserve to be happy. As if life is supposed to shape itself to make you happy. He, he spent this time chasing after something that he thought would make him special, more special than anyone else. It, 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 it caught him in his vanity and it attracted him through that means. And many of us are the same way. We want prestige or fame or money. We want all these things because we think if we get money, it'll make us happy. That if we get fame, it'll make us happy. That somehow we're supposed to have all of this stuff. The problem with chasing after happiness is when you actually find it, it's an illusion. It doesn't really bring happiness. Wow. Did you catch that? When you finally find what you thought would make you happy, you end up not being happy. The only thing worse than wanting something really bad is achieving it, getting your hands on it, 
and then realizing how empty it was and what a wasteful pursuit it was. So while, while King Anthony was busy chasing an illusion, his, he was spending all of his country's money. He was decimating his army with, with battles over something that didn't even exist. And, and he was uh, exposing himself in his kingdom. While, while he was wasting his time chasing after something ridiculous, King Ivan, the evil king, he was busy growing his army, preparing himself for his purpose. Listen, child of God, the devil has a purpose in the world, and he would like to distract you chasing the things of this world, chasing happiness, chasing a feeling, so that you're wasting your powerful, amazing, God-filled, victorious life. You would waste it pursuing something that doesn't even exist while he is growing and preparing and working. Listen, the devil is not wasting his time. He is working on his purpose, and you and I need to be working on ours. Get our focus off of happiness and get our focus on purpose. Praise the Lord. I'm going to read uh, Matthew chapter 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What did Jesus mean here? If you wish to come after me, if you wish to follow in my footsteps, if you wish to be the body of Christ, if you wish to be the earthen vessel that the excellent treasure moves through in the world, then you must deny yourself. What did he mean by that? He meant deny the fleshly desires of yourself. Deny the desire to have things and to uh, pursue happiness and the pleasures of this life. Take up your cross and follow me. Now, a lot of people are scared of the cross. They don't want a personal cross, and it's because they don't really understand uh, the whole concept of the cross. And, and, and let me help you for just a moment. Most of you think of the cross as a horrible place of sacrifice, and certainly it was a sacrifice. And if you are going to take up your cross and follow Jesus, it's going to cost you something. Let me say this to you today and listen to me. If your Christian walk isn't costing you something, you're not doing it right. There is an element of sacrifice involved in following Jesus. It's going to cost you something. But the cross is not just about costing you something. Jesus said this, you know, if a seed abides alone, it accomplishes nothing. But if it's planted, it brings forth a harvest. And he was referencing his own life. He was saying, when I'm killed... I'm going to go into the ground and I'm going to produce a harvest. A harvest of what? A harvest of new life. Do you know that when we sacrifice for Jesus, it's never a loss. Nothing you ever give, nothing you ever sacrifice is ever a loss. It's a seed and it's planted to produce a harvest. You see, when you take up your cross, yes, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you your time, your money, your energy, your very life in the pursuit of what God wants for you rather than the pursuit of the things of this world. But what it's going to produce is a harvest. Glory to the Lord. Glory to God. God wants to use your life 
to produce a harvest. You see, the cross doesn't just represent sacrifice. It represents the beginning of harvest, the planting of the seed so that harvest can be produced. And what is the harvest in your life? The harvest in your life is the friends that you know and the family that you know coming to Jesus, knowing Jesus. And you see, at some point I realized my life, I'm not here so that I can have stuff for me. I can make more money out there in the world. I could enjoy things. I could do a lot of things. I could spend my time right now playing in the snow. I could spend my time watching TV. I could spend my life doing other things that my flesh would desire and that I could enjoy, but I'm not here for that. I'm here for you. I'm here to give my life so that by some chance, my influence, my life can, can help you come closer to Jesus, that somehow through the things I do and the life I live and the, the things I do, that somehow you'll get a glimpse of Jesus. And that you want to know him. And that's why I live. And so when I die, it's not the houses that are my harvest. It's the people that are my harvest. It's not the cars or the experiences or the big vacations. It's the people that are my harvest. Glory be to God. And you have to want that. You have to love that. And listen, some of you today, you think, well, yeah, you're one of the special ones because you're a pastor. And I want you to know that I am no better, no more special than you. In fact, sometimes I think God has given you a greater calling because for you, for many of you, you spend most of your time out there in the world. And me, I spend a lot of my time in the safety of the church with people that love me and respect me. And we all love God and we're all together. And and I lead and I train and I guide and I equip them. But you, you're on the front lines. You're out there making an impact on the front lines. Listen, Jesus said, if you want to save your life, what did he mean? He's not saying that you can make yourself saved or born again. What he's saying is if you want to get to the end of your life and know that you used your life the way it should be used, that your life meant something, then you're going to have to lose it for his sake. In other words, you're going to have to give up some of the earthly, fleshly desires. Stop thinking of yourself as a person who deserves happiness and start thinking of your person as someone God planted here on earth for a purpose and pursue your purpose. Glory be to God. Man, that is some good stuff. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I want to tell you something today. Uh, Or ask you this question, what is your reason for living? Why do you live? Is it simply to just exist? Do Do you live for pleasure? Do you live just to continue to stay breathing? Why do you live? What is your purpose for living? And for most people, it's happiness. Now, you can say it's for money, but the money is supposed to make you happy. Otherwise, you wouldn't be going after it. You can say for, uh, you know, a great career, uh, but most of the time that's for happiness. It's, it's because we can feel good, prestige, and all of these things. And, and whatever reason we place in front of it, most people uh, are pursuing happiness in their life. It, you know, it's even in, the, in the, uh, the, the founding principles of the United States of America, the pursuit of happiness, uh, that we're supposed to have this created right that God has given us to pursue happiness, to have the the feelings of euphoria and to be happy. But I want to say something controversial today, but I believe is biblical. Happiness is irrelevant. Let me say that to you again. Happiness is irrelevant. 
If, if you were a soldier on a mission sent to uh, save some people in a foreign land, and let's say you're part of the, the SEAL team, and you are uh, trained and prepared, and you are tough, and you are, you, you know, you've been through some stuff so that you're ready for anything, when you head out and you go on your mission, nobody cares if you're happy because you're on a mission. I want you to realize that God placed you here for a purpose. Happiness is irrelevant because you and I have a purpose to fulfill. The pursuit of happiness depends on conditions around you being just right. So many of you are pursuing happiness and you want to be happy and you're never happy because things aren't right. The job's not right. The husband's not right. The, the finances aren't right. You know, I remember going through that when I was younger thinking, if I could just get this much money per hour, then we could be happy. Or if we could just have this size house, then we could be happy. If we could just have this size car, then we could be happy. If you're in the middle of that sort of carrot and stick chase right now, let me tell you right now, how this ends up. You will never find a place where you go, you know what? I don't need anything else. I'm happy. It will always be, if we could get the kids out of diapers, if we could get the kids into middle school, no, if we could get the kids into high school, if we could get the kids into college, if we could get the kids out of the house, it will never end because these things don't bring you happiness. They are you chasing Engano tea all over the world, spending your life on something that doesn't even matter because happiness is not the point. Happiness is not the point. Conditions not only have to be perfect, but you have to be perfect. Your emotions and your thinking have to be just right for you to be happy. And you know, let me prove it to you today. There are times in your life when you wake up in the morning and you are happy. You look around you and you are, your, your husband or wife is so good looking. You're, you're happy with your job. You're happy with your home. You're happy. You just feel so content. Then you go to bed and you wake up the next day and you're miserable. And you have the same husband, the same wife. You have the same job, the same car, the same house, the same conditions. It's the same world. Nothing about your life has changed, but for some reason you're miserable. You know why? Because if you're going to be happy all the time, then your emotions have to be right all the time. Let me tell you something. Your emotions are not going to be right all the time. Your thinking is not going to be right all the time. You see, this is part of us that hasn't been perfected yet. Your, your emotions aren't perfect. Your mind isn't perfect. Your body isn't perfect. So what's going to happen? They're going to mess you up, which is why you don't live by your feelings. You live by the word of God. You can't live by your emotions. You have to live by the word of God, child of God. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. And that's true whether I feel joyful or not. Come on. The Bible says I am a child of God. That's true whether I think right or not. If I live according to the scripture, then I am stable, sturdy, standing on a solid rock. If I live according to my thoughts, my thoughts will change. Some days I wake up and I just have the most positive, amazing thoughts. I'm creative and I've got ideas and passion. Sometimes I wake up and I'm so loving and compassionate and kind and, and I'm just content and, and joyful. Other times I am not that way. Other times I'm not happy. Other times I think negative thoughts. Other times I get off the rails. You know what I do in those days? I recognize that I am not feeling like I should. I'm not thinking like I should. So I 
learn to rely, to live, to depend on, to make choices according to God's word and not my feelings. Some of you today, you could change your life by getting off the roller coaster of emotions, stop acting like the way you feel is your reality, and begin to realize that it is the word of God that is your reality and live according to the word of God. Did you catch that? When you live with purpose, you don't need conditions to be right. You don't need your emotions to be right. You don't need your mind to be right. Sometimes when I don't want to work for God, I do it anyway. Why? Because I don't live for happiness. I live for purpose. Sometimes when I'm too tired to love on somebody, I do the actions that express love, whether I feel like it or not. Why? Because I don't live for happiness. I don't let my emotions tell me I live for purpose. I tell my emotions how we're going to live. I tell my thinking how we're going to think. And it's based upon the word of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit upon my life. Amen. Glory to God. In this life, you and I are going to experience highs and lows. If you're living today that Christian life where God is supposed to take care of every problem and you're not supposed to, you're supposed to be rich and wealthy and blessed and always uh, be, be healthy and never have a, a problem in your life, let me assure you, Jesus said, in this life, you will have sorrow. In this life, you will have sorrow. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. When a storm comes and I'm driving down the road, it isn't like everybody else is getting wet and got their wipers going full blast. And yet me as a child of God, there's no rain on my car. I'm just so blessed. I experience no rain, no problems on my life. I don't have to turn my wipers on ever because God makes everything shiny all the time in my life. Listen, that is a lie. That is not how the Bible describes the Christian life. I dare you to find one apostle, one disciple in scripture that lived for the pursuit of happiness, that lived in such a way that God took every problem out of their life. No, in fact, they were uh, uh, just overwhelmed with challenges and problems. And, and by tradition, we know that most of them were killed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they lived for purpose and not for happiness. Glory to God. You see, when you live for purpose, you have to realize some things about your life. That you're not here just to be happy, but you're here for something deeper than happiness. You're here to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Your life should be spent pursuing the purpose of God. There is a pursuit of purpose that you need to engage in your whole life. What is God called me to do? What am I supposed to do with my life? And, and there's a grand view of that where you see who you are as a person throughout your whole life, but there are also phases of that because you'll go through phases where God uh, has you doing certain things and then you'll change the phase of your life as you get older or change positions or whatever in life and God will move you into another area. And so you have to always be in pursuit of God, what do you want me to do? What is, my, what is my purpose in life? How can I make choices and daily actions that help me live according to that purpose rather than just chasing this engano tea happiness that is just empty and shallow? You see in the book of Jeremiah, I want to read these to you today. Jeremiah verse 1, you were born for purpose. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. 
And before you were born, I consecrated you and have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. I want to give you a, uh, a quick revelation today. You think you're here because your mom and dad got together a long time ago. Uh, let me tell you something. You're here because it was God's plan for you to be here. You are the expressed creation of God. He wanted you. You are here. He made you. He formed you. He told Jeremiah, look, you think you're just here? I got news for you. Before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I set you apart. You have been created for purpose. At the table of purpose, where all the people who have lives that were created for purpose, it isn't that we had to elbow uh, some room so that you could sit in. No, there's a place prepared for you that God made because you were created for purpose today. Not only were you created for purpose, you have been saved for purpose. Let's look at Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. Not only were you created physically for purpose, you were created spiritually for purpose. You were born again to serve Christ Jesus. You were born again, look what he says, for good works. Why did God save you? He saved you because he didn't want you to go to hell and he loves you. Yes, but he also saved you so that he could use you on planted earth, on planet earth for his glory. Yes, he saved you. And look, he prepared these works beforehand so that you and I would walk in them. This is a description of a life lived out according to purpose. Because I'm saved, I do good works. Good works didn't save me. But because I'm saved, it produced in me a hunger, a desire, a knowledge that I am to spend my life doing the good works of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Not only are we saved for good works, we are called to good works. I remember the, the Apostle Paul, who was once named Saul, he per persecuted Christians and, and on the road to do more damage to the church. The Bible says that he was knocked to the ground and, and lost his vision and, and he heard the voice of Jesus telling him uh, what to do and where to go and he, he obeyed and he was blind. and He went to the house of a man named Ananias who was a follower of Jesus and, and Ananias prayed for him that he would uh, receive his sight and the Bible says that scales fell off of his eyes and Paul began to see and God called him from that moment. And I want to read you in Acts 9, 15 and 16. Uh, and just notice here, the Lord said to him, go for he, speaking of Paul, is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. You see, Saul had a call upon his life. He had a calling upon his life. And so do you. I know you're thinking, I'm not the apostle Paul. 
Listen, I'm not the Apostle Paul either. Come on. I mean, if, if you know, Paul was preaching one time and a guy was uh, listening in a window and fell, fell asleep and he fell out the window and died and Paul raised him from the dead. Listen, if, if I'm preaching and you fall over and die, uh, I'm probably going to call 911 while I pray because I'm not the Apostle Paul. And, and you're not either the Apostle Paul. But you know what? That doesn't mean there's not a calling on your life. There is a calling on your life. You just don't, you may not recognize it or worse, you may not value it. You don't think you have much to offer, but you do. And if you would just understand that, then God could begin to take that out of your life, to, to find that in the depths of your spirit, your gift, your calling, and begin to share it with the world around you. Glory to God. You were created for purpose, saved for purpose, called for purpose, and you were equipped for purpose. Let's look in Romans chapter 12. Yes, God equipped you for purpose. So we, talking about Christians, born-again believers, who are many, are one body in Christ Jesus and individually members of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to each of us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy is your gift, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, or he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Paul is saying here that all of us are members of the body and each of us have gifts that God's given us. You have talents and abilities that God has given you to do amazing, wonderful things. And to most people, to most of us, we've been given gifts and talents that really benefit the one. We were able to go into one person's life and make a huge difference. And many Christians, we want to be, we want to have the gift and talent where we uh, touch the many, that we're on television and thousands of people listen to our, our songs or, or hear us sing or hear us preach or hear us talk or whatever it is. And, and we want that so bad. We want to touch a lot of people in a small way, but we don't give value to the gifting that we have that is to touch an individual person in a great way. The ability, look at Jesus, who sat down next to a Samaritan at a well and he talked to her. Can you do that? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And there's power in that. There's, there's, there's the ability to change a life in that. There's the ability to change a world in that. But if you don't value it, you won't do it. If you're not pursuing it, you won't do it. If you think of the woman at the well as somebody that needs to find her own happiness because you're chasing your own happiness, you will never sit down and have a conversation with that woman. But God has given you gifts to, to explore, to learn what God has given you and to use for his glory. Glory be to God. Yes, you were created for purpose, saved for purpose, called for purpose, equipped for purpose, and we are to be empowered for purpose. I want to read Acts 1, 8 to you today. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, when you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. 
You and I need to be filled, baptized, immersed in the Holy Spirit. We not only need the Holy Spirit to come in us, we need the Holy Spirit to come upon us. We need God at work in our hearts and we need God at work in our flesh. We need God at work in our minds, our mouth, our hands, our body. Jesus said the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important, I don't want you to do one more ounce of ministry until you receive it because you need that power at work in your life. Why the power? So that you can go around, you know, walking on water, turning the water into wine and impressing people? No. Is it for show at church? No. Is it so you can get happy and exuberant and run down the aisles uh, on Sunday morning? No. The purpose of the power is so that you can do ministry. You can do ministry. You can be his witness in all the world. Yes. The power is for the purpose. Yes. That's why when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it isn't like you walk on, on uh, you know, clouds all the time and, and you just, you know, you, you buy an ice cream and it didn't come with sprinkles and in the name of Jesus, you put sprinkles miraculously on your ice cream. Of course not. That's silly because the power is not for pleasure. The power is for purpose. The power is so that you can do what God has called you to do. Glory be to the name of the Lord. Yes, when you and I are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are empowered to be able to do what God has called us to do. You see, you need a change in your perspective. You've been living like the world, chasing that in Ganyo tea, going after things that you think will make you happy. And when you achieve one of them, you realize that wasn't it. And so the devil just puts another carrot in front of you and you go chase after that thing. And some of you have spent a great portion of your life pursuing something that you're never going to achieve because, it, because it's not what God created you for. He didn't create you for happiness. He created you for purpose. You need a change in perspective. You need to change the way you see God. Yes, God is not your genie designed to make you happy. God is not the one where, you know, you can take care of most of your problems, but when they get really big, then you go to the genie and the magic genie takes care of the big problems for you. God is not your ATM machine that when you're out of money and you need a miracle that you go and you press your little uh, code in and God gives you money. He's not your rich uncle. God is God. And God's purpose for you is good works. Listen, I want you to hear me now. God left you in a condition in this life where you and I are not perfected yet. We're perfected in our spirits, but our souls and body are not. And I can prove it by the way you live your life because you're just not perfect. And neither am I. And he left us here in that condition. Now, why didn't he just save us, make us perfect, holy, and then take us straight to heaven? Because there are people that need us. They need us. Why? Because we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Let me tell you something. I'm closing here. But spiritually dead people, people who are not born again, can't see the kingdom of God. They can't perceive spiritual things. So you and I have to bring the message of God, the demonstration of God in a fleshly manner so that they can see them. And when they see us loving others, when they hear us preaching the word, when they see us giving to the poor, when they see us expressing, praying, when they see in the flesh the things that we have in our spirit, then the Holy Spirit can convict them. He can show them the light and they can become born 
born again. But you and I have to be available to be used by God. We've got to stop thinking of ourselves as, as just beings designed to be happy while we can and start thinking of ourselves as, as people who are agents of God. Because God's plan is not to be your genie, but to be the one who uses you, the excellent treasure inside of you to go through your life and make himself, to reveal himself to the world through your fleshly life. God is in the business of action, of mission, of going. Yes, we rest in our position in Christ. I don't work to be his child, but I work as his child. We rest in position, but we move in purpose. We move in ministry. We do good works in ministry. Glory be to God. You need a change in perspective about how you view the world. You need to stop thinking of the world as just, you know what, that's your problem. You get your thing, you do yours. I might criticize it or make judgments about how you do your life. But the truth is, I'm getting mine. I'm going to, I'm getting mine. I'm enjoying my time. This is me. This is my life. I'm going to do it for me. You know, that is the opposite of what Jesus said. Jesus said this, if you have that approach, if you save your own life, if you consume your hours, your time, your energy, your money, if you consume your life for selfishness, in the end, you will realize your life didn't really matter. You were born to make an impact and you get to the end of your life and you realize this engaño tea has just stripped me of everything that I possessed and could have done something good with. Yes, you need to change the way you view your world. Yes, the world is not in your way. You need to stop looking at them as, uh, you know, you're kind of in my way. Get out of my way and let me get mine. And start looking at the world as the object of your affections. Oh, thank you, Jesus. For God so loved the world. What did he mean? He meant he loved the people of the world. That he gave his only begotten son. And you know what? Uh... You ought to love the world too. You see, if the Spirit of God is in you, you can't not love the world. Oh, you ought to love the world. The world is not your problem. They're not in the way. They're not the difficulties. It's not if you if we could just get rid of the Democrats, life would be great. If we could just get rid of those Republicans, life would be great. If we could get rid of that generation beneath us, if, if we could get rid of those older people, if we could get rid of this or that, if you no, know, no, no. People are not the problem, they're the object of your affection. They're the purpose. They're the goal. They're the prize. Why did God leave you here for a purpose? Because there are people that need you to be who God called you to be so they can get a glimpse of Jesus. They need you to be who God called you to be. Stop looking at him, at, at the world and other people in your life as in your way, hopeless problems for you and start looking at them as the goal, the object of your affection. You need to change how you view the world and you need to change how you view yourself. Uh, boy, the rubber's hitting the road right here. You need to stop thinking of yourself as someone who life happens to and you have no control and you're powerless and you're just hoping that things turn out well. And No. No, if you're a child of God, born of, of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, let me tell you something. God has empowered you for purpose. You're not dependent upon conditions because you can change them. Now, I hesitate to say this, but it's true. Every neighborhood I move into changes because we're there. Every job I go to changes because I'm there. Every place I go to 
is changed because I'm there. Why? Because I carry the spirit, the power, the purpose of my life. I do things with a purpose and an intentionality. My wife does too. And so our lives are a reflection. And listen, you're no different. Your life can be a reflection of what God can do in a person's life. And you've got to stop thinking of yourself as less than and realize, you know what? I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm going to screw up. But you know what? God is able to take a broken vessel like me and still pour out his amazing spirit onto my world. And so, yes, I am an anointed, empowered, purpose-filled child of God. And where I go, I'm going to let my light shine so that they can see my good works and glorify my Father who is in heaven. Glory be to God. You got to change your perspective. Stop going to your job and feeling like you're just there to make a living. No, God's placed you there to make an impact. Stop looking at your life and wishing God would move you out of a bad situation and realize that God put you there so that you could change it. Oh, somebody's getting this today. Somebody's getting this today. Stop pursuing happiness and pursue purpose. You see, purpose is foundational. It's based upon the word and it does not change. Listen, it will, it will transform. Uh, you know, you will go from serving in one area and God will then change and help you serve in a different area. And that's a part of life. That's all good. But underneath it all, you're still who God made you to be. He made you that way and he will work through your life for his purpose. But you've got to offer it. You've got to say, Lord, I want to follow you, Jesus. And so I want to lose my life for your sake. I want to to take up my cross and I want to follow you. I want to do what you called me to do. I want to get to the end of my life and know that I fulfilled the purpose God had for me. That I know that in a spiritual sense, in an eternal sense, my life here on earth mattered. That my seed, my sacrifice produce that person who's in heaven, that person who knows Jesus, that person who's serving God, that person over there who knows Jesus, that person who gave their heart to the Lord, that person. My harvest is not the stuff of this earth. It's not that I lived a happy life. My purpose, my harvest is people. Glory be to your name, God. Father, I want to thank you, Jesus, for these people that are here today. And I pray right now, God, that we would get this message that life is really not about happiness. Happiness is irrelevant because there's something so much better, so much deeper, and it is purpose. It is a reason for living. And the reason for living is always about the people that you love, the objects of your affection, the eternal souls and spirits of people. And I pray, God, that you would just inspire us and overcome us and fill us with the Holy Spirit, Lord, that our lives would be used for purpose, that we would wake up in the morning, not for our pleasure, but for your purpose, God. That we would make decisions about our time, our energy, our careers, our relationships, our money, based upon purpose and not pleasure, God. I thank you for today, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Well, I want to read you a different version of the ending of that story. Let's call this an alternate ending. King Anthony was intrigued, and for weeks he couldn't stop thinking about Engano tea. He thought about how wonderful it must taste. He thought about the prestige it would bring him by serving it to his guest. So King Anthony commissioned explorers, sailors, and treasure hunters to bring him back this tea. 
But the king's senior advisor asked the king to reconsider. My king, you know that we have been at war with Ivan for many years. Ivan has never shown an ounce of compassion for us, nor ever a desire to be at peace. We cannot trust him. We must remain steadfast and at the ready at all times. Our duty is first to the safety of the kingdom and its citizens. My king is great because he serves the kingdom above himself. Stories will be written about the great King Anthony, stories of sacrifice, bravery, honor, and love for his people. But there will be no one who remembers which tea you served. We are a great nation whose people are blessed because my king has devoted his life to purpose and not pleasure. That is who you are. And I beg you, never stop being who you are. The king was convinced his royal advisor had helped him regain his focus and discover his reason for living. King Anthony's army would grow and always be prepared for battle. His kingdom would flourish and his people would enjoy times of peace and prosperity. And he would never forget the words his advisor spoke that day, words that would change the course of their lives and the king. My king has devoted his life to purpose and not pleasure. See, the end of your story is still being written. And when we get to the end of my story, I want heaven to say that Mylon lived with purpose. That he didn't go chasing after the pleasures of this world. There were times when he was happy and there were times that it was tough. But through it all, he kept his eyes focused upon the purpose, upon Jesus. And he lived the purpose that God had for him. And he made an impact, an eternal impact for the kingdom. That can be you. That can be you. Just flip the switch. Think today, it's not really about me. It's about God and about his love for people and what he wants to do through my life. And I'm willing to submit my life to his purpose. Yeah, I'm going to fall. Yeah, I'm going to make mistakes. Yeah, I'm going to get off track. But when I do, the Holy Spirit will help me get back on the path, get back up and get back to being who I should be. Yes, I'm going to need an advisor to advise me from time to time to help me get my focus right. And that's the Holy Spirit. He'll help you today to stay focused and get back on track. God knows you're not perfect. He's already accounted for that when he called you. He already knew that and he can do anything through anybody and he wants to do it through you. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, you were born called, saved, equipped, and empowered for a great purpose.